Welcome this Monday morning to the latest episode of From Cork With Love Adventure. Yeah, that's as sparky as I can get this morning, shortly after half past eight. Wet Monday morning, due to rain, what, most of the day today? Yes, all day today. It'll be dry tomorrow. Tuesday, Wednesday, it'll be wet on Thursday, it'll be dry Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. That's what the oracle tells me, but you can be sure that there'll be a little variation coming down the track. I'm chewing a green grape. I've finished a cup of tea. The dog is lying on the other side of the room. Just lying. The others have left the house. And I'm wondering what on earth is going to happen during the rest of this week. I have to say that the number one social issue uh, that I have on my mind and that some people will have in Ireland on their mind as the number one issue is the referendum that's going to take place in Ireland on Friday. Somebody said on the radio this morning that there had been, if I remember rightly, they said 11 votes on the topic of abortion in in his lifetime. You know, I was out of Ireland for most of his lifetime, and I, I can hardly believe it. But anyway, it it is um, going to be on my mind. There will be a few people listening to this for whom it'll be of big interest. And uh, it even, the topic even came up for about 35 minutes conversation here on Saturday evening. Saturday evening we played poker. Uh, yeah, poker evening. Some good friends. Happens about every six weeks. Um, and we played Texas Hold'em. We don't usually discuss big social issues of the day. No. We drink, they have nibbles, have a laugh. After we've done a bit of that warming up, we sit down at the table, we play poker, we joke, we laugh. There's, it's not very serious. Uh, there, there isn't a, a mortgage at stake. We break for chocolate cake and sandwiches and more chat, tea, coffee, and we go back and we play more poker. This time, before we had the big break for the coffee, during poker playing time, a conversation began about abortion, about the referendum. No poker was played for 35 minutes. This is unprecedented. At the beginning, I said to myself, oh, no, oh, no, don't bring that topic up. It'll divide this group, and goodness knows if I'll get any more poker in. And I started off wishing that it hadn't been brought up. But by the time we'd finished the conversation, I was very pleased that the topic had been discussed by us and that we hadn't allowed the referendum to come and go without having a conversation about it between us. I guess that's because I regard the issue as very important but the other element to it is that I've come around to the point of view that the more conversation about this topic that can take place in Ireland, the better. And that sweeping opinions under the carpet, sweeping experiences under the carpet, sweeping stories under the carpet isn't very good for Ireland and isn't very good for individuals and hasn't really served anybody well.
over the years. I'm trying to say to myself, could it have served the people who wanted to preserve Roman Catholic social ethics, power? Could it have served those people well? You see, abortion isn't a topic that was ever discussed in polite Irish society, over dinner, over poker. It was a secret, private matter. So, I didn't intend to speak for so long on this topic this morning, on a Monday morning, but this week, in the run-up to the referendum, during the day of the referendum, and until the results of the referendum are known, this podcast from, from Cork with Love Adventure will feature a number of episodes on this topic. Yeah, now that I've been talking about it, an air of immense seriousness descends over me. And it's not something about which I can be humorous or can be comfortably humorous. Right. Have a very good day. This is Paul O'Mani in his kitchen wishing you a great week. hypocritical because it has a different abortion law to Nebraska. Okay, so this is now RTE Radio 1 at 10 past, uh, 20 past 10 on Monday morning. After all, just to complete the point, we are a sovereign country. We've been celebrating recent times how so we, why don't we deal how with we our became problems. Sovereign. Why don't we deal with our problems well, here as opposed well, to as a sovereign you know, exporting country, the problems as a sovereign and country, the As a sovereign country, we're entitled to make our own laws. We're not obliged to follow, follow yes. British legislation just because is, people can travel to Britain. Is part of your, your argument and maybe part of your fear that there will be more abortions if it's made more accessible yes, in this precisely it. It's a kind of the floodgates yeah. argument, is it? Well, news it. The floodgates is sort of a pejorative, like, has become pejorative. I, I, I think, you know, the number of people who will opt to have abortion, if it's freely available here in this country without travelling, will be far more than it would be if, if they have to travel. Now, in the process of their making the decision not to travel and to have the baby, lives are being saved. Little girls and little boys who wouldn't but, otherwise be allowed to be born, are allowed to be born. Sometimes they may be adopted, sometimes they may be kept. Very often, people who might have contemplated an abortion early in a, in, in a pregnancy, when they see the little baby and hold it in their arms, they'd never give it back. Yes, but surely that is a matter to be uh, stressed in a counselling setting, uh, yes. as opposed to something that would be imposed on a, on a pregnant Well, I, human rights in their nature are something that the state imposes. It imposes on all of society an obligation to respect certain human rights. It's not left to an individual, a woman or a man, to say they alone to decide whether another party shall have human yeah, rights. But, you know, if you, I'm, I'm sure you drive past them, as I do as well. We see them on the road. These posters, for instance, which say, you know, one in five pregnancies in England ends in abortion. I think it's more accurate to say that for every live birth, sorry, for every four live births, there's one abortion. But in any event, uh, that's the situation in, in, in England. We're Irish. We, you know, we, we, as you say, we make our own arrangements. And go back to the time when you were Taoiseach. You, brought, you were the one who brought in the proposal uh, to remove the constitutional ban on divorce. And, you are, and it was a very narrow victory and arguably as a result of the, the push that you uh, injected into things in the, last, in the last week or ten days of the campaign. The roof didn't fall in. No. Divorce is here. No. No. Well, I, well I, the reality at that time was that people were uh, separating and setting up new relationships uh, outside 
the, uh, the arrangement of marriage. And I felt at the time that marriage, to be respected, uh, should encompass situations like this if that's what the parties concerned wanted, if they wanted to, the ability to remarry. And I, I think it has worked out re reasonably well. The number of divorces have not been as great as many as many feared. And, and I, I don't think we're, we should, let me say this, we're not relying solely on the Constitution to prevent people opting for abortion. There is a very strong pro-life sentiment in this country as witness the fact we freely decided that the death penalty would not exist in any circumstances for any purpose in Ireland. We give a lot of aid to the third world because of our pro-life uh, convictions. Um, and I think the having a law that gives priority to the protection of the human life of an unborn child is entirely consistent with the philosophical approach of the Irish people. And that philosophical approach will continue, yes, no matter what way the, yeah, laws, uh, the Constitution is changed. Uh, for the reasons that you've outlined, you want to deny women the freedom to choose. I want to ensure that a baby has the freedom to live and has the freedom to make choices in its own life, having been born. Because a baby whose life is cut off before it is born isn't free to choose anything. Well, so essentially, when it comes down to, I mean, your, your former colleague Gay Mitchell has a piece in yesterday's Independent uh, saying that really they could have done something which would have dealt with the the, 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 the hard cases by, by having a phrase in the Constitution that in exceptional circumstances and by proportionate means as provided by law, provision may be made by law for the regulation of termination of pregnancies, much more restricted than what's proposed. Do you share his view that, look, the voters should send the government back uh, I think, to the I think that option that Gay Mitchell mentioned is available to be considered by the Irish people. But if the people vote yes next Friday, that option is gone. We have then endorsed um, abortion in very liberal circumstances. Okay. We have to leave it there. We're over time. I've lost contact with the, with, 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 with my um, the, the box outside, so we've gone a little over. John Bruton, former Fine Gael leader, former Taoiseach, thank you, Lee, for coming in. Today with Sean O'Rourke on... Ar right, so that's who that was. I didn't know who it was at the beginning. I didn't know it was John Bruton. Taoiseach in Ireland from the Fine Gael party. Who are the party that are in power in Ireland today. He was Taoiseach, I'm not sure when actually, back in the 1980s maybe. Um, he, uh, I don't know much about his politics. Yeah, I, I'm sorry I missed the beginning of that. So there, there'll be plenty more where that came from. <laughs> and those in favour of retain have been out today. Let's start with Together for Yes. They held a press conference. Yeah, that's right. Um, this morning, Together for Yes campaign, which is seeking, obviously, to repeal the Eighth Amendment. Um, to the two masters of the maternity hospitals and the Minister for Health, they were in attendance at this press conference and took some questions. And Dr. Rona Mahoney and Professor Fergal Malone expressed a number of concerns if the Eighth Amendment is retained, particularly in women who take abortion pills unsupervised, for example. And that led to questions about the effect of the Eighth Amendment on medical care, to which Professor Fergal Malone had this reply. We know for a fact that doctors who are actively practicing today, they take pause and they delay on making decisions about what's the right thing to do for a woman who is facing a medically complicated pregnancy. Um, it's easy for people to say, well, it's the, 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 the ability is there already to just go on and get on with a termination pregnancy. But that's not true. We know of examples of doctors taking too much time to come to the right decision. And the reason they're taking so much time isn't because of the medical challenges but they're worried about the legal implications. And doctors shouldn't be worried about the legal implications. Doctors should be thinking first and foremost about the medically right thing to do. And we know for a fact that's not happening. That's Professor Fergal Malone there. And this morning, Alba, the former Taoiseach and former leader of Fine Gael, John Bruton, joined Sean O'Rourke in uh, studio for the Today programme. He's advocating for a no vote on Friday. 
he is, um, John Bruton, expressed concern that um, people would opt, opt for abortion, for example, if it became, as he said, freely available in Ireland. And he said he trusted the Irish people to uphold human rights, um, but he stressed that the unborn should be protected in the Constitution. A baby before birth is human. And if a baby before birth is human, it should surely have some human rights. And if there are such things as human rights, the first human right you have to have is the right to be allowed to be born. Because if you're not allowed to be born, you can't have a right to bodily integrity. You can't have a right to marry. You can't have a right to free speech. You can't have a right to property. You have to be allowed to be born to be able to exercise any of those rights. And no exceptions. Well, no, no, I'm not in favour of exceptions, but the government could have come forward perhaps itself with proposals that might have allowed for that, but they haven't. They've come forward with a proposal that simply removes the right to life of the unborn child entirely from the Constitution. So that's the yes and no side both out this morning and just to note that this afternoon the Love Both campaign which is also seeking a no vote, it'll hold a press conference focusing on what it says is the lack of real government action on the importation and use of abortion pills from outside Ireland. Alva Keneally, thank you very much. Now how safe are your medical records in Irish hospitals? Find out after this. Okay, right. okay well that I imagine will be shortly followed. This is now 25 past one at a quarter to two. The Joe Duffy show will be on. And that means that that uh, show will feature over probably over an hour of conversation about um, the, the referendum, about abortion, the rights and wrongs or the pros and cons. Right. Another little snippet captured for. Well, in my head, it's like capturing it for posterity. Amendment. But she could have travelled. Uh, well, a 16-year-old girl isn't necessarily the person who's going to be able to travel, you yeah. know, if they're limited ways and means of travelling, you know. Um, I don't even know if she had a passport at the time. Perhaps she didn't, you know. Perhaps she's never been out of the country before. Okay. And obviously no access to the internet then, no way to order medication to end the pregnancy. Um, so she was forced to go through a pregnancy and as Rachel had said there and congratulations Rachel on the birth of your baby um, pregnancy even when it's chosen is difficult I've had three pregnancies I very luckily had no pregnancy losses um, I've had straightforward pregnancies and fairly straightforward births and it's still difficult you still have months and months and months where your body is nourishing and growing a pregnancy and it's hard, you know, you're exhausted when you have other children, you're trying to look after those other children. Mm-hmm. Perhaps those other children aren't, you know, they don't have the best mother around that they could because their mother is pregnant again. Can I go back to your mum for a second, Lisa, please? My birth and mother or my adoptive mother? Sorry, your birth mother. Yeah. Uh, very, very bluntly, what if she had had you aborted? Then she would have a different life than she would now. She was, she found it very difficult. I wouldn't know any difference. I think it's very extremely egotistical of anyone to say, this is from my perspective, that a young girl should have been forced through pregnancy so that I could be here, or so that someone else could have a baby. That's barbaric. You can't force someone to go through a pregnancy against their will Mm. just so I can exist, you know? It's quite a profound existential thought, though, to say that you would never have known... I wouldn't have known. <laughs> I would never have existed. <laughs> you know, maybe... I don't know. I mean, my, my parents adopted me, um, and I have the most privileged life. I have never wanted for anything. I've been supported in everything I've chosen to do. Um, I adore my parents. They're incredible people. But if I didn't exist, I, would, I wouldn't know any difference. They would, I have a brother also who's adopted. They would still have a child. I think... The argument of adoption being used as an alternative to abortion isn't okay. But if someone is pregnant and decides they don't want to have an abortion and they don't want to parent, only then should adoption be an option. And are you in touch with your birth mother now? I am. What way is she She's fantastic. She's holding yes, she's pro-choice. And have you discussed the circumstances with her since then of what was going on in her life in the 80s and what her options were or lack of options? 
Um, not in very great detail. I can't sit here in the car for any longer. I have to go walk the dog. I did record about 20 minutes of earlier, but lost it. So this little bit will have to do. And I have to say, I like Philip Boucher Hayes' tone of voice. Feels like he's a very calming influence. There is more to come. Don't stop listening. There will be plenty more to come on this topic. I've just turned on the television and there's more people talking, so let's see what's going on. Who has made a botched job of the health service for the last three or four years is now proposing to roll out a service that he says will help women without consulting with the very people he expects to implement it. And he's doing it because he says illegal abortion pills are dangerous. Well, his proposal is just as dangerous, if not worse. And by the way, ectopic pregnancies are very important. He's asking GPs to prescribe abortion pills to patients without the benefit of an ultrasound. So how are they going to detect whether okay. there's an ectopic pregnancy which could harm a woman? Brianna, you mentioned earlier, I think, that you know about 20 women who have had abortions more. But is that not in itself, almost, that, that large number, perhaps something which worries people, that it becomes too commonplace if you have uh, easy access to abortion? Well, I'll start off by talking about Australia. So I will actually fact-check you. You said that last week there was a case where the wrong twin was aborted. That was actually in 2011, so a good seven years ago. Um, what it actually reported though? No, it was, it was 2011. It's just been reported it here, report. so I, I, I'll take it. It did happen. It was, it was reported in 2011 in Australia, um, and it was the only case that I found on record since... 1969, since we've had abortion, where uh, the wrong fetus has been aborted. Um, right. Do you have a problem with aborted twins on principle, Brian? Just let me imagine this fetus, actually. This is how adult conversation works. You must listen. Yeah. Okay. Um, in, in, in Australia, what we're seeing is actually, we don't actually have a national abortion rate because it's different state by state, but we're seeing in the states that do collect data, so um, we're seeing 30%, sorry, a 30-year drop in abortion rates. So the longer we've had abortion, the more it has actually dropped in Australia. So you will not see this exponential growth in women running out and getting abortions. It drops. Well, why do you think that is? I think better sex education. I think better access to long-term contraception. In Tasmania, they last year, they closed the only clinic offering surgical abortion because there was a lack of demand. And the operating doctor said it was because of better access to contraception. Okay, well, we're going to have more discussion in a moment about this. Lots more after the break. Our panel are staying with us. We're also going to be hearing, having heard from the no side earlier, we're also going to be hearing from former Donegal footballer Eamon McGee on why he is voting yes. That's after this. Right, well, I'll come back to that. So I'll just take a break out here in the kitchen and get on with making a sandwich. Yeah. I, I'm getting to have a big aversion to people who hector on either. Yeah. I'm deeply... Yeah, I don't like people who hector. Interrupt other people. Don't let them make their point. Behave as if Winning an argument is changing a heart and a mind. Yeah, the more I think about this, the more... the better it is when people get an opportunity to fully express their point of view and for people to understand what they've said. Maybe this is obvious. I haven't always been like that in my life. <laughs> I think I've done a fair amount of um, hectoring myself. Right, I now have a little food. The dog 
has got a load of water. I'm going to go back to listen to what's going on. What are we, Monday evening? We vote on Friday. Right. Let's see what happens next. Sit down, pay attention. There are hundreds of price drops at Aldi, like this moisture shampoo. Was two forty nine. Now an amazing ads for Aldi. I haven't noticed any particular change in the nature of the advertisements during. Um, televised debates, discussions about abortion, by the way. But there, there is a strong male presence in the, Somebody in the from Donegal. Wow. It's, it's good to see it's an important issue, not just for females, but for us all, you know. But if men are involved in the canvas, what sort of reaction are you getting from men of all ages? Are they regarding this as more a woman's issue than something they have to get involved in? I think the majority of men, you know, have have accepted that this is a that this is a decision for both male and female and you know the reaction we've been getting, you know, there's a lot of don't knows in the male camp, a lot of undecideds. And I think that's the, the job of the the Donegal for Yes campaign is to, to get the information out to them and get the right information because there's so much misinformation. And that that's what we've been doing this last People are undecided at this stage. I find that very surprising. Stories out there and yeah, what brought did you in to get involved? Why did you decide that you wanted to do this? Well, obviously, I, I feel it's the, it's the right thing to do, and you know, we all have to put ourselves out there. We all kind of always stay in the crowd, and just hopefully, this will pass. You know, sometimes you just have to, to stand up and just say, Listen, put the hand out to the woman because the way it is, we all know women that's gone through the situation and it's gone through the difficult choices. So do we make a choice and we say remain silent and just let them fend for themselves or do we put the hand out and say no, I'm here with you and we'll, we'll do this together. And how do you react to him when people say to you, you're involved in the destruction of a human life, that what you're doing is akin to murder? Yeah, obviously there's a, there's a small section, small, small section that say that. I don't necessarily agree with them now and, you know, thankfully, the majority of people don't see it that way, and what, what, what we are saying is that we are we placing the, a fully grown mother, a mother of three children, the same as a, as a six week or a seven week fetus? And hey. thankfully, the message is getting out there that the two aren't, aren't comparable. Uh, Eamon, uh, just an observation from you on the situation in the Northwest in Donegal. Back in 1983, my clear memory of it was that it, it was almost a, a proxy vote on loyalty to religion and to the Catholic Church. One of the differences between Dublin and country areas is the, the affiliation to religion. What's the situation on the ground there? Is there is there a palpable religious campaign for no? Yeah, well, we're, we're realists up here too. We know that there is a very conservative base in Donegal, and we have to realise that Charlie McConnell actually voted against the 2013 Protection and Life Act, and he's representative of the of the voters in Donegal. But what we're finding, and I think it's going to be reflected in the polls, that there is that silence because people have a Catholic guilt. They might be afraid to come out and say it, but there will be a silent yes, and I think that will be reflected on the polls on Friday. Okay, and the reaction that you're getting, you say you think there will be a silent yes. Are a lot of people, you think, not just trying to just politely get rid of canvassers, that this is an intensely private decision that they're making? No, because the, the way it is with Donegal, and because the figures are relatively high in Donegal, is that we all know someone, or we know of someone that's made the journey, or having to buy abortion pills online, and you know they can relate to that, and they, they can see the, the sense of abandonment that that woman has felt, and how the sense of loneliness so they can relate it and say it's, it's affected me. So, you know, although there is that religious kind of guilt, the Catholic guilt, I think that I'm reaching the hand out and I have this personal experience, so it's easier to say to vote yes. 
Okay. Eamon McGee, thank you for joining us from Donegal. Let's continue with the issue, though, of male involvement. I mean, we have had many men involved in debates, many people involved, many men involved in leading campaigns like John McGurk is, but Theo Dorgan, what about the issue of men, men's responsibility, men's interest in the issue? Well, the context for this probably has to be a greater social acceptance of partnership between men and women. I describe myself as a feminist on the simple basis that I think women are equal to men, and I've, I've all my life been baffled by people who don't believe. Theo Dorgan... He's a poet and actually would be regarded as one of the best poets in Ireland today. Didn't realise he had any involvement in this. No, I think that what, what I would say to men is, if your sister, your daughter, your niece, the young woman who looks after your children, finds herself in a situation where she has to take the least bad of two choices, and decides to have an abortion, where do you stand? Do you support her or not? Now, you can be a person who says, I would not like if I were going to have an abortion. But there is a bigger question. Are you prepared to be supportive? Are you prepared to say, I am not casting you out into darkness? One of the things that has worried me in this debate is what have the, I don't, I, I disapprove entirely of this, this distinction between pro-life and pro-choice. Everybody is pro-life. Everybody on both sides of this debate. It's important to remember that. Some people have had to make more difficult decisions than others. Some people have had to make decisions that half of us will never have to make. So you have to ask yourself, where do I stand when a woman whom I know, maybe a person I love, maybe just a co-worker, makes this decision? Am I going to say, you do not belong in my republic? You do not belong in my family of human beings? You do not belong in my society? What are we saying if we say no? And, I mean, there have been some very well, regrettable... Let's put that to Fidel, what are, what we, are we, saying? we saying to people who have already had abortions? How do they feel? Who is concerned and compassionate about those women in the course of this sometimes vitriolic... Fidel, no, that We are very concerned about women that have not been supported and have had no choice but abortion. Only last week did I meet a young girl in Mayo, a 19-year-old girl, who told me the reason she was voting no, Matt. No, we want your opinion, please. Yeah, okay. no, but you're getting my opinion. You're getting well, We're my getting opinion. anecdotes, no, no, I'd like to hear your opinion. The reason she said she was voting no is because she, of her experience of abortion and because she had no choice. Where did she now, take the abortion? Well, now Where? you know the answer to that, Theo. Yes. I needn't tell you. But isn't that the point for them? If we have it no. in this context, well, her, her point why do we assume that no, would be sorry, like the English Is it my answer? turn to answer? It is. It is. You're quite her right. point to me was she did not know she had any other option. Because we have. So how could she not have known she had any other option? I, um, You're talking about the. I'm talking about what the, is actually an illegal thing to do to I'm have an abortion in Ireland. And you're saying that was what she regarded as her only option? That is what she said to me. I am talking about a young girl who, who okay. said that she wasn't aware of other options. She said she didn't know where to go to for support. Okay. She didn't know that there were options. Okay, this is somebody you didn't know. Stuff. This is somebody you didn't know, Absolutely. so you're taking this right. Absolutely. Fidelma, this is like Andy Kenny's man with oh, the two really? fights. If it was a relative of okay. yours, if you actually had a situation where it was somebody who was actually close to you, life's experience like many people have, do you ever consider that you might actually, when faced with the reality of a situation, rather than theoretically with somebody else, perhaps think differently? Think differently about what exactly? About the options for that woman. I would be, the, I would be absolutely supportive. There's nothing would I would... Would you be supportive if that relative of yours decided she wanted to have an abortion? Would you be supportive if of her? If there was nothing else that I could offer her, of course I'd be supportive to her. My own sister nursed in the UK. She chose not to participate in abortions, but she chose to care for the women. Of course, we are talking about complete compassion. I would never judge a woman who's had an abortion. I see it as a, a failure on behalf of our society. I see, building on what Theo said, a, a real worrying divide between men and women right now. Some men are feeling very excluded, that they almost feel they don't have a right to vote. In this, in this, in this referendum. John, um, but it's the anger at the patriarchies in this country that's coming out. The patriarchies of the state and the church that have failed our women over time. But there is, there's a kinder way forward. 
there's a there's a there's a softer way forward where we come up with real solutions. Poverty is often a very okay. big. Well, Lizzie, and we've had her on that. Did, did, did you want to come? Do you think like a lot of the posters put compassion mm. on the side of yes? Yeah. Do you think that's fair? Um, when you talk about support and and offering support, you could offer all the support in the world. You could say, look. I will pay completely for you to have this baby. I will pay babysitters around the clock so you can go back to university or you can go back to your job and not take maternity leave. I'll be there to pay when you go to work. I'll be there to support them through school. You can give a woman all of that, but to make a woman be pregnant when she does not want to be is not compassionate. It is not supportive. It is against human rights to to make a woman have a child when she does not want to have a child. We're just talking about forcing a woman to, well, to stay pregnant. But, but the truth is... But that's what you would do. That's exactly what you would do. That's exactly what you would do. I've asked Sorry, him, what, Brianna, what would have made a difference? Point. They have said things like poverty, financial support, housing. I grew up in, not in poverty, but definitely in a very working class, low socioeconomic area. And I can tell you the consequences of a middle-class educated woman getting pregnant when she doesn't want to is a lot different from say an 18 year old with no formal education who comes from a cycle of poverty that middle-class girl will have a supportive family she will have people around her that will make sure that she doesn't end up on government welfare that she'll be supported that she will not end up passing that disadvantage on to her children the other woman who comes from disadvantaged background will live in cyclical poverty and she will be faced with Things that you can, the thing is, you've had since 19, since the last, since the 80s, basically, to get support for women's rights, and it just hasn't been there. There's no magical country that supports women completely and gives them all this money and free babysitters. There's no country that does that. This is okay. where abortion clinics cite themselves in the poorer areas. For example, right now okay. in America, there's more black children being aborted than being born. And that is because something we'll give you a chance poverty. to come back to that. We will say that. And John, we know you've been waiting patiently and we will bring you back in, but we need to take a break and we'll continue the discussion afterwards. Oh dear, more adver adver advertising. Right. Well, I think I'll take a break myself and come back with another piece after I've had another glass of wine. It's what people do these days. They watch TV and at the same time they have their smartphone. And the two go together. Yeah. Left hand for the smartphone, right hand for the TV controller. This evening, John McGurk is domestic violence. If you go to the rape crisis centres and listen to people like Nolan Blackwell, even within marriage, within partnerships, there are the most abhorrent abusive situations. Forcing a woman in those circumstances to carry the baby to full term uh, is, is, is surely very, very difficult. Abusive relationships cut both ways, and the evidence when you look at this in the UK is that when you look at abusive partners, more often they're forcing women to have abortions rather than to keep the baby. Um, and that, that is something that happens right across the board. That is that is a fact. That is a fact. Well, we do have a fact. Well, sorry, in, in the case of rape, in the case of rape, and by the way, when we're talking about rape, it's important to note that that is three out of three and a half thousand abortions. The government has chosen to make this referendum all about mm -hmm. less than less than one-tenth of one percent of the cases. But a blanket ban deals with our cases. Uh, a blanket ban, you know, if they had put forward a, a constitutional amendment or a different proposal, which they have the power to do, and by the way, mm -hmm. as voters, we have the right to demand them to. So if a woman is raped, they should not have an abortion. Is that your position? My position, my personal position, which I recognise there are a lot of people at home do, do not share, but my personal position is that an unborn child is a human being that I was just me, I was me when I was nine weeks old, 19 weeks old, one week past birth, six years old, and so on, that and killing an unborn child is wrong in all circumstances. That is my position. However, there are voters out there who are looking at this referendum and they are torn and they are conflicted because they want, because they're good and decent human beings, to do the right thing as they see it by women. Um, and they're very concerned That's about right, You're telling rape victims they should carry their baby. They should have their baby. That's what you're telling them. You can dress it up whatever you like. In my view, of taking an unborn life 
does not solve any problem, doesn't cure any disease. So, ergo, you are saying they should have the baby. In and the all the responsibilities that come from that. Yeah, and what I'm saying is if the public want to change the law in that circumstance and not introduce abortion for healthy babies and healthy mothers for any reason at all up to 12 weeks, and if this was just about the hard cases, there is no way we would be legalizing abortion up to 24 weeks in any circumstances. This is about legalizing Sorry. abortion on demand. Fact check and again. it is 12 weeks and certain circumstances up to 24 weeks. And there are, I'm going to say it again, three high court judges, Matt. Yeah, yeah and there are many other legal experts. The point that John made, I think the former teacher, John Bruton, made a very similar point this morning on Sean O'Rourke's program on RT Radio 1, in which he said the trauma of rape can be overcome, but that an abortion is permanent. Well, he ought to tell and talk to his wife about that, and he should. I suspect she'd be very much in agreement with him, given her. Well, I mean, I, I, I think this, this is ex this is extraordinary to me too, and I'm, I'm glad we're nearly this is touched. Dear if you're going to call abortion murder, then we are conniving at three thousand five hundred murders carried out by Irish citizens every year in a foreign jurisdiction. Are you suggesting we should be arresting women? Well, I'm asking why. And sending them to jail for fourteen years. I'm asking why the anti-choice campaign is not asking for that, because this, there are inconsistencies in this argument. If abortion is murder, then 3,500 women a year are murdering people. Well, perhaps they're comparing their, do you mind if I just finish? Well, you ask I would think it's fair. Well, I'm not asking it of you. John, and we will yeah. bring you back. Right. Okay. And so, I actually believe in my heart of hearts that people who describe abortion as murder, unless they're massively intellectually inconsistent, don't really think it's murder. Because if you tell me, Matt, if you intend to go to Liverpool and murder a centre-half back for Everton, and you declare it, and that person is found dead, I'm going to call it in. I'm going to call it in, and I'm going to expect the law in this land and the law in the neighbouring jurisdiction to deal with it. So I don't really believe, no matter what people say, that even people who are vehemently anti-choice believe Deep in John, the heart, that really is let's, let's address the abortion. Is it murder? Is it not point? Because there was a fascinating fictional story on the front of one of the newspapers today attributing a quote to me about this. Abortion does one thing, and it does one thing only. And it's not successful if it doesn't do it. Mm -hmm. It takes something that is living, and it makes it not living. It takes a human, human life, in my view, and turns it into a no longer human life. And Theo's point is about the language that we use to describe people. Neither Fidelma nor I nor anybody else has any interest in going around traumatizing women and saying that they are murderers. However, abortion takes a human life. And where I, my question is this, Theo. Everyone on the yes side agrees with, with, with us, I think, that abortions are a tragedy. That no woman goes skipping, hopping, and jumping into an abortion clinic, clapping her hands, saying, brilliant. It's a tragedy. And if it is such a tragedy, and we have three and a half thousand of them every year, why on earth do we want, at minimum, twice that number when we legalize it, if we are like the average? Okay, okay. 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 but he has put the question directly to me. Brianna, um, how, how do you respond to John's point about, in terms of even rape or domestic violence, the greater good is not killing the baby? I think that is entirely disrespectful to Irish women, because what you're saying is, to Irish women, Irish women run, they're the backbone of this country. If you're married to one, if you have one for a mother, you know that they run that household back to front and nothing goes on without them knowing or saying. Now, we trust them to do all of these things, but we don't trust them to know what's best for their body. If a woman has been raped and she says, I do not want to carry my rapist baby to, to full term, we should respect her and should give her all the help she needs to get that abortion. We shouldn't be shipping her off on a boat. And we say, you know, that the no side has no interest in traumatizing these women. They are traumatizing these women. The Eighth Amendment continues to traumatize these women, these women, by sending them up on boats or forcing them to resort to taking pills from God knows where in their own private bathrooms. It's wrong. It is traumatizing. Can I just say on the issue of rape, this is the difficult case. Rape, incest, and life-limiting conditions. And I feel very strongly that this is where people are conflicted. And I am meeting the undecided voter, torn between the yes and no for this reason. And I am angry with the government for not dealing and addressing the difficult cases. And they had options available to them to propose an amendment to the Constitution to deal with those cases without repealing the right to life. And we now have almost 200 lawyers and high court judges saying that was possible. 
could I also see? No, we're, we're actually very close. We're all the time. And in fairness, I think you've had more time on the no side. So, Theodore, when we want to give you, if people are undecided on Friday, should they vote? If they uh, particularly in men. Mind, if men are part of the 17% of all the I'm staying out of this. I, I would say to any man who hasn't made up his mind yet, look at women around you. Ask yourself, are these sane, caring, responsible people? And if your answer is yes, and you know somebody who's going to have an abortion, here's your question. Are we going to care for that woman here in our own country, with her family around her, her friends around her, to support her, to possibly the most difficult decision she will ever make in her life? And if you're a man, if you're a real man, then you support that woman's right to choose. Thank you all very much. We've tried to have as equal time as possible between the four of you. We appreciate very much your contributions. Thank you very much. After the break, Susan Daly, the editor of thejournal.ie, will be here to fact-check our debate tonight. Well, I feel very emotional. I have to admit, I found Theo Dorgan, his, what he had to say there, but it layered on top of what I'd heard before. I found it very touching. Touch oh no, I'll trivialise it now. Very moving. Yeah. Very moving. Ah, thank goodness we're able, we're having these conversations. Thank goodness. I said I was very moved by Theodorgan, but what I haven't said is that I found that woman from Australia, haven't a clue who she is, but clear. I found her clear. I found her easy to understand. And wherever she's come from, I'm very glad that she's participating in this conversation, in this debate. We live in the age of allegations. People alleging that such and such is true or such and such a thing is fact. Anyway, we're going to have a bit of fact checking now, apparently. We're joined now by Susan Daly, the editor of the journal.ie, who is here to fact check our debate, our debate tonight at the end of the show. Um, Susan, uh, let's, let's start with the abortion pills. Sure. So um, the, the estimate that is out there at the moment, and this is based on a few things, because it has to be an estimate if these are ordered online and we don't have full um, visibility on it, is it's coming from telemedicine sites where you can order them, and also from seizures from revenue over the last 10 years, that around 1,500 sets of abortion pills are being used in the country every year on the island of Ireland. This is just an estimate, though. It's just an estimate, and it's between three and five women a day in the Republic would be using them because there are two pills. Now the thing is that it's because of abortion law that the pills are illegal. The actual substance of the abortion pills, if they are used correctly in the right dosage, they, they're perfectly uh, safe medication. The difficulty and the 10% figure that you might have heard people talking about in terms of safety levels with abortion pills is when they're gotten from online, we don't know what the, what the, um, what the makeup is and also how they're used because do people know exactly how pregnant they are at that point? Now, something that has come up both sides seem to be arguing about is whether or not it would have been possible to legislate for cases of rape, incest, fatal fetal abnormalities without needing to have this referendum at all. Would that have been possible? Well, this is not the first time that it's been brought up, and twice in recent years we've had it brought forward legislation proposals that would apparently legislate for this. But the problem is that this is the Attorney General's advice, um, and there was legal challenges to that as well, that if you do that without repealing the aid, then you're always setting up in conflict this legislation with the constitutional right, equal right to the unborn, to the mother's life. And that's what's always going to be a problematic situation. And that's where the 12 weeks um, unrestricted with the approval of, of a GP or a doctor uh, is coming in. That and also the, the use of abortion pills, a recognition of 
how uh, terminations are happening basically within Ireland and remind people going to the UK. A, a very contentious area is Down syndrome mm -hmm. and non-fatal disabilities that there will be yeah. screening. So this is something that again, because we're talking about 12 weeks, people should be very clear, 12 weeks pregnancy is 10 weeks gestation. So when you get screening, and I know Rona Mahoney was out and saying that there were certain um, disabilities that could be screened for at nine weeks now, between nine and 12, um, it is still not really possible for you to get under the 12-week pregnancy line because those are not diagnostic tests. If you have a high likelihood in that, and they have to be sent off to the US or the UK and it could take two weeks to come back, uh, then you have the possibility of... Uh, uh, maybe a diagnostic test after that, but you are generally talking about over 12 weeks. And what the draft legislation is saying here is that after 12 weeks, disability is not a grounds for terminating disability of the... And another disability which was referenced once, I think, during our debate is the cleft palate. The cleft What's palate. the situation in relation to that? So the cleft palate, um, the, the palate is only fully formed at nine weeks. And the Mayo Clinic uh, in the US and... and basically most kind of recognised medical standards for this, would say that it really shows up in ultrasound screening at around 13 weeks. So again, we're taking it above the 12 weeks legislation. So this is, this is kind of, we can talk about the specific stats that were, were put out here, but it doesn't apply for what is being suggested here. Something else that came up during the discussion, John McGurk made reference to a medical misadventure, as some people would call it, where there was a wrong twin aborted in Australia, which yeah. was reported last week. Brianna told us from her experience in Australia that happened in 2011 and has now been made an issue of over here. Who was correct in relation to that? Well, she did her job for me because it was in 2011. Um, it was a medical misadventure. And actually, the inquest into it and the uh, inquiry into it in Australia happened in 2011 as well. And it does appear <coughs> that this hasn't been repeated. And as she has said, that there hasn't been a similar situation previous to that in Australia for, for several decades. So it's a horrific situation, but it wasn't anything to do with legislation. You heard the uh, entire debate. Was there any gross misrepresentation of facts that you heard? Um, I think it's, it's, it's a difficulty of throwing out, I suppose, very specific stats and, and kind of getting across an understanding of whether we're comparing apples and oranges, what's available here, what's being proposed to be available here. There was a, a very quick thing that did stand out and it was that more black babies were aborted in the US uh, than were born. I think this might have been a, a maybe a slight misunderstanding um, where it's back to something that was said in 2015 by a press secretary of uh, a Texas uh, Attorney General, Cynthia McGee, who was talking about black babies aborted in New York City versus the live uh, birth rate, and they would have been roughly similar, but that was New York City, and it's not representative of the whole okay, US. Okay, listen, why don't we quickly do the front pages of the papers. Thank you, Susan, for that. Uh, the Irish Independent is leading on this absolutely horrific story. The government is utterly shocked by it. And uh, this is uh, the killing of Justine Valdez, whose body, we believe, was discovered today uh, after the man responsible, Mark Hennessy, believed he was responsible, was shot dead on Saturday evening. And the particular story is that he left a bloodstained note in the car saying where uh, Justine's body was. And that's also the lead on the examiner. Gardi fear Justine was random victim. It is unbelievably evil and abhorrent. And the Times Ireland edition is also leading in that saying suspected killer had no link to student victim. Is there anything else we can say about that, Susan? I, I think it's the fact that every new part of it is, is throwing up something more terrifying. It's a horrific tra tragedy for Jasmine's family. She's the only child. Um, for Mark Hennessy's wife and children um, that are behind. But ultimately as well, it's, it's terrifying. I don't know whether people kind of expected that there was some link, but the remoteness of Enniskerry, the getting off of at, at, at the Wicklow Mountains, it's just all... A Thank you very situation. much, Susan. That's all we have time for tonight. We'll be back on radio tomorrow. Separately, and back here tomorrow night at the normal time.